Hazard Audio. This week, the duo get into the Masters Golf Tournament and all the news that's being made right there. We have Steph Curry breaking his own record, Kentucky losing seven players, and 15-year NBA veteran Aaron Williams, the exclusive interview right here. Recorded live at the Launchpad Studios in Chicago, Sports Appeal. This is going to be a home run. I just know it because I can see it in the future. With your hosts, Steve Gross and Matt Axelrod. Play ball. Welcome to Sports Appeal. you got your regular host this week. I'm Steve. And I'm Matt. You can find us every single week right here on Podbean. Just search for Sports Appeal on there. You can also get us on iTunes. Subscribe to us on there. Leave us a review. There's a lot of different ways you can get us. You can also get us on Spreaker.com, the Rivet News Radio app, the SportsMecca.com, WGT Radio, Stitcher app. There's so many ways to listen. Join us every single week. Tweet at us, guys. Find us on Twitter, at the Sports Appeal. We love interacting with you guys on Twitter. We do it a lot. We try to respond to everyone who tweets at us, so send us a tweet. All of our music is provided by Full Service, our studio band. You can get all their music on iTunes and Spotify. As always, we're produced by Johnny Five. And powered by Hazard Audio. Thank you, Johnny. Coming up in a little bit after the first break, we're going to talk with Aaron Williams, 15-year NBA veteran. We're going to talk to him a little bit about the playoffs, a little bit about his playing days. So stick around for that. We're going to talk about Steph Curry in Kentucky, sports madness. But we're going to start with the biggest story this weekend, Matt, the Masters Tournament. This has been incredible so far. Absolutely. And, you know, a lot of people don't normally care about golf. But this weekend, this tournament has been great for golf, especially in the U.S. Because the U.S., we love when there's an American dominating. That's why the Tiger Wood days were so great for us. And why I think a lot of people have kind of been tuning golf out now that Tiger hasn't been as good lately. Well, we have a new American hero in the golf world. Got 21-year-old Jordan Spieth, who is just dominating the field. He's setting records left and right at Augusta. He's right now 16 under par. Yeah, he set the 36-hole record on the second day, and then he set the 54-hole record on the third day. And at one point yesterday, on the third day, he was even 18 under at one point. He didn't finish the round as well as he would have liked to, uh, ended up at 16 under par. But still, he's still ahead by four strokes heading into Sunday's final round. I mean, it doesn't look like anyone has a shot at catching him. No, absolutely not. I mean, he's ahead of the next second-place person by four strokes. And it's interesting to note, too, that last year Bubba Watson won this tournament at eight under par. We're not done yet, and Jordan Spieth has doubled that already at 16 under par. Yeah, and there's actually four people who have better scores than Bubba's winning score last year. In the top five right now, Jordan Spieth, Justin Rose, Phil Mickelson, Charlie Hoffman, and Tiger Woods. All those guys are in the top five. This is great for golf. These are all the big names right at the top of the list here. And you got Rory McIlroy there tied with Tiger Woods as well. Yeah, and Dustin Johnson who hit three eagles in one round. I've never even done that in mini golf. But you're right about Tiger Woods, how you know he's his popularity has been declining for good reason, and his play has been declining. So the big question has been, who's going to step up? Like, who is going to be the next big star? And for a long time, it looked like it was going to be Rory McIlroy, Rory McIlroy, Rory McIlroy. But now Jordan Spieth, you know, he's won a couple huge tournaments, and he's absolutely tearing up this tournament. So it's good to have a young American player that people in this country can relate to to kind of counteract the young European star. So it's nice to have that kind of rivalry going on, especially when the Ryder Cup rolls around, USA versus Europe. That's going to be special. Without further ado, let's take it over to Johnny Five for the Tweet Zone. Tweet Zone. Hit the tweets. We have an initial tweet that Sports Appeal that we issued saying, if the NBA playoffs started today, OKC would be left out, but there would be a sixth seed in the Eastern Conference. 
To which at Miles Apart Pod replied, they would probably be like the third or fourth best team in the East. West is loaded. What do you guys think? Yeah, I mean, that's absolutely true. If they were playing in the Eastern Conference, they'd have a lot more Eastern Conference games against the weaker Eastern Conference teams, especially, you know, after the top four or so teams in the Eastern Conference, it really drops off. We got a couple teams making the playoffs that are significantly under 500. So you can just imagine that Russell Westbrook would be feasting on those teams. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you have Atlanta and Cleveland who are clearly the class of the East. And kind of the second-tier teams are Toronto and Chicago. And after that, that's it. Washington has fallen apart in the second half of this season. The Bucks, Celtics, and Nets are all in position to make the playoffs with losing records right now. And in the West, I think we have six teams in the West who could compete for a title. The standings in the West right now are crazy. Everything's in flux right now. For a while yesterday, the San Antonio Spurs had went from the sixth seed to the second seed while there were still some games in play. Because right now, the Spurs... Yeah, they're they're tied at 11 games back with the Memphis Grizzlies and the LA Clippers. And then the Houston Rockets are only a half game back from them. So you've got just all these teams fighting it out towards the end. There's really going to be a photo finish for second place in the conference. I mean, the Golden State Warriors have run away with the conference, but everybody else is just duking it out for that second seed. And the Spurs are the fifth seed right now, and that's only because Portland's going to get the fourth seed for winning their division. The Spurs actually have a better record than Portland does, and so does Houston. So I think there are six legitimate teams who could win the Western Conference right now. Uh, Memphis just lost Marc Gasol, so that's going to hurt them significantly. Yeah, we'll see how long he's out for. He sprained his ankle. He might be back come start of the playoffs, but there's no real prognosis on that yet. Do you have any real confidence if you're a two or a three seed playing Houston or Dallas in a seven-game series? I mean, those are both dangerous teams. Oh, no. I mean, if they don't get Marc Gasol back in time for the playoffs to start, or at least a couple games in, they could be in very serious danger of losing in the first round. Bottom line, the West is really stacked, and the East is weak, and the fans are suffering because of it. Let's do the next one. Coming from Clat D, Coach Bo Ryan needs some of that good old Wisconsin cheese to go with his wine about the officiating. All right. Everybody needs to settle down about this. This is about the national championship game where Wisconsin got hosed on a couple calls towards the end of the game, and Bo Ryan came out after the game and kind of was bitching about it. I have no problem with that whatsoever. He just lost a Final Four game. He's got to back his team up. What what else is he going to say? I got to disagree with you. I think he's taking the focus away from his players who did an incredible job and got to the finals and played some great basketball. And that game, too, was really good. And his team did kind of fall apart at the end, too. Look, that was a horribly officiated game. It was. But it went both ways. In the first half, there were only two fouls called against Wisconsin. And it was just in the second half that they really started to get hosed. Well, you need to capitalize on that then because it did, I don't think the officiating impacted one team any more than the other. Oh, it was just there were some huge calls right down the stretch that were easily overturnable. So the wound is still fresh when he's talking to the media. And I mean, he did get hosed. There's no denying that. What do you expect the guy to do? He's coaching young men who just got their dreams crushed on national television. He's got to defend them. I think that it reflects poorly on him. It reflects poorly on the program. And it, by extension, reflects poorly on his players. He needs to just say, we did a great job. He can feel however he wants. And he's probably right about that, I guess. Because it was definitely more calls going against them towards the end of the game. But I don't think going out there and saying it publicly reflects well on anybody. I guess the one point that kind of supports your position on this is If the calls had gone against Duke, would Coach K have come out and said anything about the refs? Definitely not. There's no way he would have. All righty, for our next tweet in the Tweet Zone, we've got DET Cookieman74 saying, Whoo! 
With the Yankees overpaying a starter and A-Rod back, the check engine light is already on. The check engine light is already on, but it's not really for these reasons. Yankees overpaying a starter, I mean, that's two-thirds of the league are overpaying starters. That's nothing new. And A-Rod being back, he's actually the best hitter on the team right now, which pays me to say it, because I was killing him before the season. But he's been the best hitter on this team all year. The problem with the Yankees is they don't have any other hitters. It's really, really bad. It's really depressing to watch. They can't produce any offense unless there's a wild pitch or someone gets hit by a pitch. That's about it. Their pitching has not been very impressive either. I mean, they've got Masahiro Tanaka, who's their frontline starter, and he's trying to adapt his game now after having that arm injury last year. So he's trying to adapt his game and throw fewer fastballs, not throw the ball as hard to not aggravate his arm at all. That's not what you want to see. That, to me, is more why the check engine light's on. You have your ace who all of a sudden decides he has to completely change what made him successful in the first place and is trying to do it while being paid millions of dollars a year. I think I speak for all Yankees fans when I say we're terrified of what's going to happen with Tanaka this year. But CC looked pretty good. He had one bad inning, but the rest of his game, he was awesome. Pineda pitched pretty well. So the Yankees pitching staff is not great, but I think it's serviceable. It's okay. Hopefully Tanaka can figure things out. But you and I both picked the Yankees to win the division, and right now they do not look like even close to a playoff Yeah, team. they're sitting at 1-4 and four right now. And then the Red Sox, who we didn't think were going to be that great, are at 4-1 and one at the moment. Yeah, their hitting has been ridiculous. Absolutely mm, ridiculous. Yes, it has. All right, that's it for the Tweet Zone this week. Make sure you uh, tweet to us at the Sports Appeal. But right now, we've got a brand new segment for the Tweet Zone, a little adjunct to it. It's called You Tell Me. So we've been having a disagreement. Matt Axelrod and I have been having a disagreement about whether or not a hot dog is a sandwich. I say that absolutely not. There's no way a hot dog is a sandwich. And Matt, you think there's a case to be yeah, made that it is? I certainly wouldn't refer to a hot dog as a sandwich in normal everyday conversation. I wouldn't say, hey, let's go down to the hot dog stand and get a hot dog sandwich. I mean, that would be ridiculous. But by just pure definition, I think there's an argument to be made for it. Because a sandwich is just any kind of filling between bread. And that's what you got with a hot dog. Uh, technically, the definition of sandwich. I don't care about the definition of sandwich. A hot dog is not a sandwich. If you put bologna on bread, it becomes a bologna sandwich. The meat in a hot dog is still called a hot dog. If you put it on a bun, it doesn't become a hot dog sandwich. A hot dog is its own thing. So I was doing some looking online for definitions to back me up, and I came up with one, or I found one that really doesn't help me at all, but I found it funny anyway, so I'm going to read it. UrbanDictionary.com's top definition for sandwich, a food commonly used by men to oppress women. Oh, gosh. <laughs> such as, get back in the kitchen and make me a sandwich. And I mean, like, you don't make a hot dog in the kitchen. The man makes it out on a grill. <laughs> I'm not touching that one, man. <laughs> I'm not touching that with a foot-long hot dog. <laughs> Probably safe. You got you got a fiancé now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I would never tell her to make me a hot dog. Actually, I would. <laughs> and she would do it because she loves me. So tell us what you guys think. Hit us on Twitter, at the Sports Appeal. Tell us, is a hot dog a sandwich? Actually, Johnny5, let's get your opinion right now. One word answer. Is a hot dog a sandwich? No, a hot dog's a fucking hot dog. Okay. Thank you. Very nice. <laughs> All right. I appear to be in the minority here. <laughs> but with that, let's take it to break. But you're listening to Sports Appeal. After the break, we're going to have our exclusive interview with NBA veteran Aaron Williams. Hey guys, it's Steve here. I know a lot of you have been wanting to try out DraftKings.com. Now is the perfect chance to do that. Fantasy sports fans are winning huge cash prizes every day at DraftKings.com, America's favorite place to play daily fantasy sports. Daily fantasy means no season-long commitments. You just play whenever you want, pick your sport, draft your team, It's like a new season every time you play, so you're never stuck with the same players. Last year, $300 million were won at DraftKings.com, and you could be the next to win big. 
Go to DraftKings.com now and enter promo code HAZARD to play for free. That's HAZARD for free entry now at DraftKings.com. On the phone right now, we have 15-year NBA veteran Aaron Williams. Aaron, thank you so much for taking the time to talk with us today. How are you feeling today? How's it going, guys? Aaron, we want to start with a question about what you've been doing since your playing career ended. I know you were coaching for a little bit at Xavier University, your alma mater. Are you still coaching these days? No, no, I'm not coaching. I, I was actually just filling in for uh, one of the coaches who had uh, came down with an illness, and um, the head coach there, Chris Mack, asked me if I'd be interested to come down there and fill in for him for a little while. So, you know, I jumped at that opportunity to go to my alma mater uh, and help out as I could. But uh, no, I'm not coaching now. Um, I have a, now I just have a basketball camp for kids that I do every summer. TripleThreadBasketballCamp.com. You can go find all information about it. But, yeah, this is our second year for so, you know, we're pretty excited about it. Speaking of coaching, who do you think is the best coach of all of the playoff teams this year, and why is it Greg Popovich? I do think it's Greg Popovich, actually. Uh, I think he's the best coach of all time uh, as far as the NBA. I mean, he just he just knows his players. A lot of his players that he gets, you haven't heard of them. They come to San Antonio and they play above and beyond their abilities. I think he, he just has a knack to get the most out of all of his players. He's in tune with them. He lets them rest when they need rest. A lot of people in the NBA don't like it because you, you go to the game to see some of the stars and maybe they're not playing that particular night because he's resting them. But his ultimate goal is, is to win a championship. He's paid to, to win championships, not necessarily please the fans. And I, I picked him to win it this year again. Yeah, the Spurs have been playing really well lately. Uh, what about Golden State? Do you think their style of play can translate to success in the playoffs? I'm really excited to see that. I've always said, and there's a saying goes around the NBA, you live by the three, you die by the three. I don't think there's too many teams in, in history that are jump shooting teams that won the championship. But one thing I will say about Golden State, I think they are a more balanced team than people give them credit for. They have some pretty good big guys. And Draymond Green, I think he's really a, a real underrated player. He, he, he can do a little bit of everything. He, he brings that toughness. They're going to be really tough to beat. Turning to college ball and the draft coming up in the future, who would you pick if you had the first pick in this upcoming draft? You know, I'm honestly, I'm not really sold on anyone as a number one pick. I don't think there's only one player that really stands out above everyone else. Of course, Okafor is going to be mentioned. I mean, he can't shoot free throws. Really, in a, in a tournament, I don't think he really, you know, lit the, lit the world on fire. Uh, even in the championship game, he didn't do much of anything as far as I was, I was concerned. One thing about him, I do think his game would translate better to the NBA, just because there's more one-on-one and there's no zones, per se, like there used to be. But as far as the overall pick, I mean, I really like the guy Decker from Wisconsin. I, I like his style of play, but he's not a number one pick. If it's not open for it, it'll probably be somebody from overseas. You know, the NBA really goes overseas, and they scout the world these days. So I wouldn't be surprised if it was a guy we've never heard of. And then on that note, do you think Justice Winslow is being undervalued in this draft? It seems like he has a lot of the same characteristics as some of the best players in the league right now. I really do. I mean, I think he hit the nail on the head. I think he was really the catalyst for them going through the tournament. I think he was the most consistent player. He was the X factor during the tournament. If he had a good game, Duke was going to win. And he had a lot of good games, and Duke won the tournament. So this next question is going to come out of left field a little bit, but we've been having a disagreement on the show today about whether or not a hot dog is a sandwich. So we need you to settle this for us. <laughs> is a hot dog a sandwich? You know, I'm going to have to say no. I think a hot dog just should have its own category. I think it's like a specialty food. I don't know what category you put it in, but it's just a, a Chicago delicacy, I guess. <laughs> Thank you, Aaron Williams. All right, yeah, thanks for settling that for us. Now, turning back to basketball, who were some of the best teammates that you ever had? Well, playing so long, I've had the opportunity to play with a lot of great players. But as far as personally teammates that I, that I like the most, probably uh, Ben Baker. 
before he went off the deep end and became an alcoholic. He really was a great guy. He was, he was a great player. Jalen Rose, I had an opportunity to play with in uh, Toronto. Sam Cassell, Kenyon Martin, Gary Payton, Rob Strickland. I actually played with him at, with, with the Wizards. A couple of guys are probably my best friends. You probably wouldn't know. Anthony Johnson was more of a, yeah, he was a two guard, like a journeyman two guard. Yeah, Stephen Howard. He was kind of a journeyman also, but those are two of my closest friends to today. Yeah, you've had a lot of opportunity to play with a lot of really good players in your career. So I want to ask you another question about some great players. It's kind of a weird question again. Who is sweatier, Shaq or Patrick Ewing? Oh, that's Patrick Ewing. He's a, <laughs> <laughs> I think he's the, most, he's the sweatiest guy in all the sports, period. Yeah, I know. He used to just watch the sweat drip up his face at the free throw line. It was nasty. Yeah, there's always a puddle right right below him. That's pretty nasty, actually. <laughs> <laughs> Keeping those stadium maintenance guys busy. Right, definitely. And then one last question for you. If social media was around in your playing days, would you have gotten yourself in trouble? Uh, I was always a pretty low-key guy. Definitely had my moments of doing some dumb stuff. So I will say that the probability of me being caught doing some dumb stuff would be exponentially higher that's for sure yeah absolutely right um i know you're on twitter now at aaron 34 williams and it looks like you just tweet a lot of inspirational quotes and try to lift people up with what you're doing on social media these days yeah yeah i mean there's a lot of garbage out there in social media and uh i'm big on quotes so whenever i find some quotes that i see in there i always retweet them just trying to do something a little different you know that's all aaron thank you very much for your time today everybody go check out aaron's basketball camp it's triple threat basketballcamp.com Go sign up if you're in the Chicago area. Yep. And uh, we'd love to have you on again, Aaron, maybe sometime toward the NBA Finals if that's all right with you. Yeah, that'd be great. No problem. All right, so 15-year NBA veteran Aaron Williams picking the Spurs to win the championship this year. What do you think about that, Matt? Yeah, I think there's a real good chance of that again. I mean, they look great. They're playing their best basketball right now when you really want to be playing well. So I think there's a very good chance that they will. What interests you in the playoffs right now? We kind of talked about this earlier where the Eastern Conference has three teams with losing records who are going to make the playoffs. There's really only two legitimate title contenders in the East. and I think there's six, potentially seven title contenders in the West. And if New Orleans makes it with Anthony Davis, I mean, would you be surprised if they won a couple games in the playoffs? That would not surprise me. I think that the New Orleans Pelicans could actually be quite a threat to the Golden State Warriors if the seeding stays the same. Now, I think the Warriors would still win that series. I think so, too. But it would not surprise me if the Pelicans won a few games there. What the Warriors are doing is historic, man. I mean, they're in rarefied air with a 65-15 and record. Uh, that's only happened a few times in history. They're really just killing people. They are, they are. But I still maintain that they're much more made for the regular season. And I think the Pelicans will be a better playoff team than regular season team. Now, the skill gap is just too great for them to overcome. But I think that they'll at least make a couple of those games interesting. We touched on the Grizzlies losing Marcus Gasol for the season. How do you think that's going to affect them? They lost him for the rest of the regular season. There's no prognosis on when he'll be back, but I was hearing some talk that he'll come back for the playoffs and maybe even for the first game of the playoffs. So as long as he comes back and he's relatively healthy, I don't think it should be too big of a deal for them. They're facing the Mavericks if things stay the same, although that's a big if with how this Western Conference is right now. I think that they'll handle the Mavericks or the Rockets fairly easily, probably in like six games. Without Gasol, they'll probably lose. 
They probably would. I'm, Zach Randolph is still a force down low, but the thing that makes him so effective is being able to interchange those two and play them together at certain points too. That's what makes them dangerous. If we're looking at the Eastern Conference, like I said, I think there's only two real contenders, Atlanta and Cleveland. You really think Atlanta's a contender? I don't see Atlanta as a contender. I still maintain they're a second-round exit team. As it stands right now, they're coming up against the Bulls in the second round, and I think the Bulls take them out. You do? You yeah. the Bulls take them out? Absolutely, especially with Derrick Rose coming back now, and he's actually he's playing pretty well. He had an incredible game last night. Granted, it was against the 76ers, but, I mean, they're still out there playing hard. They just suck. But Der- <laughs> Derrick Rose was doing Derrick Rose things regardless of who else is out there. He's driving in the lane and doing the things that were missing from his game for a lot of the games that he played earlier in the season that he needs to get back to. So would you say that the Cavaliers are a title contender? Yeah, absolutely. So you think the Cavaliers are a title contender and the Hawks aren't, even though the Hawks are nine games ahead of the Cavaliers right now? Yes, absolutely. First of all, the Cavaliers had so many new players and so much chemistry to work out. They started the season really poorly. A couple months into the season, they were still at or under 500, and since then, they've just been on a tear. They've been every bit as good as the Hawks since they got their chemistry issues figured out. I have no reservations saying that the Cavaliers are a better team than the Hawks. So, but your justification for that was just now you said they've been playing every bit as good as the Hawks, which tells me that you think the Hawks are a good team. Like yeah, that... well, the Hawks are a phenomenal regular season team, but like I was saying, I don't think that they'll, once you get to a seven-game series against the same team over and over again, I don't think that they're cut out for that. Is this for the same reason that we talked about on an earlier podcast where you said it's because they don't have a star? Yeah, that's one of the reasons. They have five, four or five All-Stars on their team. Are you and... kidding me? Eh, I'm not impressed by any of those you're, guys. <laughs> oh my god. I know that's not true because I know you're impressed by Kyle Korver. Kyle Korver's really good, but like he's still a role player. He's an outside three-point shooter that's not going to carry you to a title. I disagree. I mean, I'm not saying I think the Hawks are going to win the title, but I think they're a legitimate contender. Let's wrap up the NBA playoff talk right now. Matt, give me a pick real quick. I got to go with the Grizzlies, but that's based on them getting Marcus Gasol back. Other than that, it's definitely the Spurs for me. Really? Interesting. I think Golden State is going to make it to the finals. I just think they're too good. I know there's the jump shooting stigma around them, but they have a lot of guys who can score. They play good defense. They have guys down low in Bogut and Draymond Green. i got to go with Cleveland in the East. They're just a super dangerous team, and it seems like when LeBron James and Kyrie Irving decide to turn it on, they're not going to lose. The Cavaliers have a very good chance of winning it all this year, too. They're the team that I'd pick to come out of the East, if I'm being realistic. Now, we're going to take it to break. When we come back, we're going to talk a little basketball and go to Sports Madness. Fantasy sports fans are winning huge cash prizes every day at DraftKings.com. Last year, $300 million were won, and you could be the next to win big. Go to DraftKings.com now and enter promo code HAZARD to play for free. That's HAZARD for free entry now at DraftKings.com. Welcome back to Sports Appeal. Once again, I'm Steve Gross. And I'm Matt Axelrod. Before the break, we are talking NBA playoffs. We've got a couple more basketball stories. One of them is Steph Curry of the Golden State Warriors. He broke his own record for three-pointers in a season. The old record was 272 in 2013. And right now, as of today, Sunday, April 12th, he's currently at 281. So he's broken the record by nine three-pointers, and he's shooting 44% from three. 
Yeah, that is absolutely ridiculous. He's putting up one of the most incredible shooting seasons of all time. Maybe the best, although I don't believe he's at 50-40-90. But it is still just some incredible numbers. I mean, this is old news at this point. We all know Steph Curry's an incredible shooter. You think this locks up the MVP for him? Yeah, it probably does, especially with Oklahoma City probably not even making the playoffs or barely squeaking in as an eighth seed. Yeah, it's a two-horse race between Curry and Harden right now. And then our next story is Kentucky is losing seven of their players Seven of their players have declared for the NBA draft, which, even if they don't get drafted, cuts off their NCAA eligibility if they sign an agent. Right, absolutely. There's seven top scorers from last year. It's not just seven players. There's seven top scorers from last year are going to the NBA. And a lot of people are saying Kentucky's going to be the number one team in the country again next year. That's how ridiculous this program is. Three of the top 10 recruits in the country still have not committed to a college because they were waiting to see what was going to happen with Kentucky. They're probably going to end up going there. I mean, yeah, that's what Kentucky does. That's what John Calipari has set up for himself and for that school. This is where you come if you want to be prepared to go to the NBA after one year. And so that's the kind of players that they get. They get the best players who are most likely to get drafted after one year. It's a good system for them. It's a good system for the players. So I don't really get why people sometimes hate on it. I think it's partially because of John Calipari's public perception. Because, I mean, if you look at Duke, they had four freshmen score 60 of their 68 points in the national championship game. And nobody's given Coach K a hard time for recruiting the one and done players. So it's just kind of the way college basketball is done at this point. But I think Cal Perry takes a lot more heat for it than other coaches just because of his public image. You ready for Sports Madness? Sports Madness, let's go! Sports Madness. My favorite story in this Sports Madness, Floyd Mayweather Jr.'s mouth guard. You didn't see this story. Floyd Mayweather Jr. has a custom-made mouth guard that's worth $25,000. It contains diamonds, gold, and actual $100 bills woven into it. What? Yeah. And that's what he's going to be wearing during his fight against Pacquiao. So if Pacquiao knocks him out, be sure and try and catch that shit. I know it's gross, but that (laughs) is an expensive mouth guard. $25K for a mouth guard. I guess if I was fighting Pacquiao, I'd want some good <laughs> pricey protection, too. But weaving in $100 bills? Are you kidding me? And diamonds? Yeah, it's. I mean, that is the most Floyd Mayweather Jr. thing. He's just so ostentatious with his money. And you almost have to love the guy for it, or hate him, or a little bit of both. I know he calls his little entourage the money team, so maybe that's something to do with that. I don't know, but it's Well, yeah, his ridiculous. whole nickname is Floyd Money Mayweather. Right. He's, he's all about the money. I mean, that's that's just his persona, and that's fine. And he's going to be making plenty of it on that fight. So our next story comes to us from the beautiful state of West Virginia. Morgantown, West Virginia, which is the city where West Virginia University is, has outlawed patio furniture within city limits. Do you know why they're doing this, Matt? No, why don't you tell me? <laughs> this, is, this is good. Because the students at West Virginia have a propensity to burn patio furniture after football and basketball games. And it's becoming a public issue, so the city banned it as like a stopgap to try to prevent forest fires. Okay, so I just pulled up this story. <laughs> Over the last 10 years, city manager Jeff Mikorski says... They have had 3,000 street fires because of people just lighting patio furniture on fire. (laughs) It's absolutely ridiculous. That is crazy. That is so West Virginia. (laughs) When you think of West Virginia, you just think of crazy hicks running around and lighting stuff on fire. (laughs) Just kidding. We love the state of West Virginia. It's beautiful. It really is beautiful there. The Mountaineer State. And we apologize to our West Virginia listener. All right, so our last story is actually about the price of beer at Major League Baseball stadiums. 
A report just came out on Business Insider that said the average price for a small draft beer at a Major League Baseball stadium is $5.98. You and I live in Chicago, so that price makes zero sense to us whatsoever. Yeah, although at Comiskey, which I refuse to call U.S. Cellular Park, it's actually not that expensive. But at Wrigley, which is where I go, they are tied for uh, most expensive with Boston Red Sox at seven seventy-five a beer. Although that's for sixteen ounces, the Red Sox only give you twelve ounces for seven seventy-five. Right. So the three most expensive are the Red Sox at twelve ounces, Cubs at sixteen ounces, and the Phillies at twenty-one ounces. Those are all seven seventy-five. But if you live in Cleveland or Phoenix, you can go to an Indians or Diamondbacks game and get a beer for four bucks. Yeah, that's a great deal. That is a great deal. Diamondbacks, it's it's a 14-ounce beer, which, you know, they're giving you more than the Red Sox for half the price. Yeah, and teams that you think would be near the top of this list, like the Yankees, their beers are $6. They're, like, right in the middle of, like, that's pretty much the average right there. Yeah, and then the LA Angels is four fifty for a 16-ounce beer, which you'd figure in LA, although, granted, the team's not really in LA, uh, <laughs> you'd think it would be a much more expensive beer just with the reputation that city has. These beers companies and actually the vendors probably more so are making a killing on this because beer is really cheap to make and you can go to the store and get a six pack for six dollars you can get an entire keg which has a hundred some beers in it for like 40 or 50 bucks if you're buying the cheap shit that they're talking about here all right that's all the time we have for sports appeal today with your host steve and matt Thanks for listening. Thanks for telling a friend. Thanks for reviewing us on iTunes. We're produced, as always, by Johnny5, powered by Hazard Audio. Tweet us at The Sports Appeal. Playing us out is going to be Rocket Ships by Full Service. A hot dog is not a sandwich. Who wants a great escape? Who wants to run away? Who wants to leave the day and start a new society? Who wants to stick around? Come up from underground? Who wants to shut them down and move the movement forward now? Grab a cup and fill it up Who wants to stick around and get the people fired up?
Hazard Audio.